0: Hello everyone, my name is Ashley Treiber, and I'm really excited that you are joining me today on May 4th to talk about Judaism and Catholicism. More specifically, we're going to be talking about how these two religions see God, how they praise God, and how they differ in their theological views surrounding God. Alright, let's get started. I'm sure you're thinking to yourself right now, Ashley. Why should we listen to you? And to that I say, I did my research. My method of research first focused on gathering the questions that I personally wanted answered. And I will go into more detail on these questions later in the show. After I had my list of questions, I went to the primary sources. I went to the Hebrew Bible and the Catholic Bible. I read about the Jewish and Catholic perspectives to these questions. I then interviewed one of my professors from Marquette University, who identifies as an Orthodox Jew. This means that he advocates a very strict observance of the Jewish law. I then interviewed my own Catholic priest, who is from the Rockford Diocese. So let's start with some history of Judaism. Abraham was the founder of Judaism. He was the first Hebrew man that the Jews believed God to reveal himself to. The Jews believed that God made a covenant, a special covenant with Abraham, and that he and his descendants were chosen people who would create a great nation. God named Abraham's son Israel, and so the Hebrews became known as the Israelites. A thousand years down the road, Moses led the Israelites to freedom after hundreds of years of enslavement by the Egyptians. In the desert, God gave Moses a set of rules for the Israelites to live by. It is then that Moses received God's Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. A quick overview of Jewish beliefs are that they believe in only one God. To date, they believe God has a special covenant with them. There, God communicates through prophets and encourages and rewards good deeds. He also punishes evil. In exchange for all the good that God has done for the Jewish people, they keep God's laws and they bring holiness into all aspects of their lives. They do not believe their Messiah has yet come. Their place of worship is called a synagogue and the religious leaders are called rabbis. The Jews observe the Sabbath, which starts Friday evenings and ends at sunset on Saturday. Catholicism, on the other hand, is based off of the teachings of Jesus Christ. Catholics are united through their belief in Jesus Christ, and they believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God made man. Jesus Christ is believed to be the Messiah and Savior. Catholics believe in one God who reveals himself in three persons. This is also known as the Trinity and the Trinity is made up of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There are more than a billion Catholics in the world, and this makes up the Church. The Church is led by the Pope in Rome, who has universal authority. The Holy Book of Catholicism is known as the Bible, and is divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Catholics worship in churches. Each church has a priest who is a celibate spiritual leader. Alrighty, now that we've been introduced to both of the religions that I'm focusing on in the show, I now want to introduce the list of questions I asked my interviewees and researched myself. Each interviewee was asked five of the same questions, and then I had specific questions dedicated to their religion. So I have three questions that I asked the Orthodox Jew that I interviewed, and three questions that I asked the Roman Catholic priest that I interviewed. Starting with the questions that I asked each of my interviewees, I have, Who is God? How do you praise God? Who is Jesus? Is Jesus the Messiah? What slash who is the Holy Spirit? The questions I asked the Orthodox Jew are, Can you explain monotheism? Can you explain why the Hebrew Bible alone is divinely inspired and absolutely trustworthy? Do you find the New Testament teaching to be untrustworthy? When you go to the Hebrew Bible, what do you find that proves Jesus was a man and not God? The questions I asked the Roman Catholic priest are Can you explain the Trinity, how three entities can make one being? How is the New Testament just as divine and trustworthy as the Old Testament? When you go to the Bible, what do you find that tells you Jesus and the Holy Spirit are both God? Something I found really interesting about my interview with uh, my professor who was an Orthodox Jew was that when I was asking what he believed, he corrected me and he said, I'm not sure if it's correct to say what I believe because Judaism is not about what you believe. It's about what you do. And this makes so much sense because from the beginning, We can look to Abraham, the founder of Judaism, and we see that God made a covenant with him and God tested him over and over and God was trying to see what he would do. Uh, We can look to the Torah and we see in the Torah, um, God tests Abraham's faith. Take your son, your favored one Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering in one of the heights that I will point out to you. So early the next morning, Abraham set out for the place of which God had told him. Personally, after reading that part of the Torah, it made sense to me why my professor said, it's not about what I believe, it's about what I do. It's about what I do for God. So yeah, I just wanted to make it known to my listeners that Judaism is a religion based off of action and I think that's really important, and I just wanted to mention that before I get into the questions and the answers that my professor gave. So when I asked my professor, who is God? He made it very clear that we don't know who God is. He said that Jewish people know that there is God. They know this through testimony, through personal experience, or through rational inference. He made the point to mention that He believes that you can feel God's presence. I really loved that he said you can feel God's presence the same way you can feel love when you're holding the hand of the one that you love. And as for my Catholic priest, um, he said that we have a lot of definitions of God and we know he's love. We know he's a pure being. We know that he's outside of anything that humans can comprehend. And we are able to describe God. We can give characteristics of God. We can say God is omnipotent. We can say he's omnibenevolent and things of that nature. But we also know that he has no beginning or end. And we know that he's able to create. He's able to rule over a created world. Um, he mentioned that we profess God to be three persons that make up one God. And he mentions that Catholics believe in a Trinitarian aspect. And I think that that's a similarity um, between Judaism and Catholicism, the way that they view God. Um, Each of my interviewees gave me examples of who God is, but there's no one definition that explains who he is because he's the ultimate source. He's the beginning and he's the end and he's creator. Um, I like to look at the Bible. And so I went to the Bible and in the Old Testament, I chose the passage about God appearing to Moses in the burning bush. At this point, Moses is asking God, and who am I supposed to tell the Israelites is sending me when they ask me, what's the name of the person sending you? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Obviously, a huge difference between Judaism and Catholicism is that Catholics believe in the Trinitarian aspect, while Judaism believes in a monotheistic aspect to God. And I will be getting into both of those topics later in the show, so stay tuned. Alrighty, so moving on to my next question, I asked my professor how he praised God, and his answer to that was very interesting. He said that There is a code for how he is to praise God. Three times a day, he prays, and this has to happen at certain times. And he said that these prayers have a biblical source. He said that personally, he's not perfect, and he'll be late to a prayer, or he will um, forget to do a prayer altogether, but um, he tries as hard as he can to make it to the prayer three times a day and he said that it's considered better to pray in a group, so he normally tries to make at least one minion a year, and this is a gathering of 10 individuals who pray together in the synagogue. He said that this happens at normally very early hours of the day, so that is why he's unable to make more than that, because he is a professor, and um, he has classes and things, but He mentioned that every Saturday, he spends almost the entire day in the synagogue for the Sabbath day. Um, He also recognizes all of the Jewish holidays, and he says that you need to say the words of the prayers that you're saying and know what you're saying. And he said it's really important that as a Jewish person, you slow down and you take the time to actually think about what you are saying, the prayers that you're reciting, and the true meaning of what you are saying means. Um, And he said that there are many different kinds of prayers. There's praise, there's asking for help, there's meditation, and all of those are recognized in Judaism. A few examples of some of the Jewish holidays I spoke of are Rosh Hashanah, which means the Jewish New Year. And this Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of 10 days of penitence, or teshuvah, culminating. Um, There's also Hanukkah, which is uh, the equivalent of Christmas to Catholics and Christians. Um, There's also Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. Um, It's a very solemn day, and Jews are meant to fast and pray and repent on this day. There are seven Hebrew words in the Hebrew Bible and forgive me if I mispronounce some of these words. I'm not completely familiar with the words prior to this research. But um, halal means to boast foolishly, to make a show of it. Um, we have "tahila," which means to praise vocally in song or shouts. Um, another example of praise in Hebrew is zamar, which means to praise with instruments, alone or with voices. Alleluia means a shout and call for corporate praise. Um, Yoda means to lift or throw arms upward in praise and surrender. Toda means to sing praises together as a community in harmony. I think that is the type of prayer my professor was referencing. Toda. And Sabah, which is reach out with affection for God to feel his hold on us. Now, when I asked my Catholic priest about how he praises God, he said that we need to remember to have lives that are completely devoted to glorifying God. He said we need to watch what we say and watch what we do. Um, He mentioned that the Second Vatican Council expressed that the action of our worship is both adoration and from that of our sanctification, and that we must offer our lives to God. We need to be thinking of these things more often than when we are just sitting in church on Sundays. Personally, I think it's so important that Catholics look to the Nicene Creed, which is the core beliefs of Catholic faith, and that they understand what they are professing their belief in, as well as they also do what the Nicene Creed is declaring that Catholics must do. We must get baptized. We must believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We must believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ. We must believe in one God, Father Almighty. We must believe in the Holy Spirit, the giver of life. Similar to what my professor said, Catholics also have many different forms of praise. We praise God in many ways. We praise God in our actions. We praise God in our words. We praise God by going to church and physically praising him. We praise God in prayer, and there are so many different types of prayers. Um, So it's very similar in that aspect that there are just so many ways to praise God, and the options are really limitless. Overall, for Catholics, I think that it's really important that we listen to what Jesus said, that we shall love the Lord our God with all of our hearts and with all of our beings, with all of our strength, and with all of our minds. The next question that I asked to my interviewees was my favorite question personally, because... The answers were just so different. So I asked, who is Jesus? Is he the Messiah? And my Jewish professor said that the notion of the Messiah is a Jewish notion, which I thought was very interesting. And that's so interesting. And he mentioned that the traditional forms of Judaism take the notion of the Messiah very seriously. So he, as an Orthodox Jew, takes the notion of a Messiah very seriously. He even mentioned that the notion of the Messiah in Judaism is not similar to the notion of the Messiah in Catholicism because Catholics believe that the Messiah brought salvation and that the Messiah was Jesus Christ. Whereas Judaism doesn't have original sin. Jewish people do not need to be saved. So the Messiah is a leader who will bring knowledge of godliness to the world. And he will bring the Jews back to Judaism if they've fallen away. My professor said to me, how can Jesus be the Messiah when there is still hatred and evil in the world and we're all still so scattered? He said that in every generation, there potentially could be a Messiah. But this depends on the people. This depends on the Jewish people, whether they listen and follow what the Messiah is saying at the time. And Jesus to some Jews is not looked kindly upon. To some Jews, he's viewed as someone who is trying to get Jewish people to turn away from tradition. But in other perspectives, he is seen as an observant and faithful Jew because some of what he says aligns with Jewish Jewish teaching. The problem is that how can you take some of Jesus' teachings and say, oh, this is the good stuff. And then to all the other teachings that discredit Jewish tradition, we say, we don't want that, we're throwing that out, we're not going to mention that in the synagogue. Uh, My professor said that gets very confusing, so a lot of rabbis just decide not to mention Jesus altogether. So, in short, Jesus was not the Messiah to Jewish people. There maybe have been many Messiahs, or maybe the Messiah hasn't come yet, But my professor said that in his synagogue, the idea of the Messiah is not a topic that they focus on too heavily. And original sin is truly the beginning of the differences between Judaism and Catholicism because my professor and I were speaking for a little bit about how the story of Adam and Eve is told differently in the Jewish church than it is in the Catholic church, which makes sense because... To Jews, Adam and Eve saw an opportunity, while to Catholics, Adam and Eve sinned. And what I mean by they saw an opportunity is that they saw an opportunity to go do. To go live for God. To go do good things for God. To go worship God. Um, That's what I mean by that, if anyone was confused. So Catholics believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, and We can look to the Gospel of John, and we see here that the Gospel of John emphasizes not only the incarnation, but the divinity of Jesus Christ. Similar to the passage I mentioned earlier where God said, I am who I am, in the Gospel of John, Jesus identifies himself with God the Father when he says, before Abraham came into being, I am. Naturally, that is where Judaism and Catholicism do not agree anymore because Judaism does not see Jesus Christ as God, whereas Catholicism does. And when I asked my priest about whether Jesus was the Messiah, he said, he is most certainly the Messiah. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is word become flesh. And we must know that God is greater than us and God has a plan and God has a mission And he meant to, and he purposely sent Jesus Christ to us. And he wanted Jesus Christ to take up a human body. He wanted Jesus Christ to walk among God's creation. And Jesus was fully God, and he was fully man. And he also mentioned that it's quite miraculous when we all think about it, that Jesus Christ's divine and human will did not contradict each other. And they lived out God's plan for salvation on earth. Moving on from there, I'll start with what my priest said about the Holy Spirit. When I asked what slash who is the Holy Spirit, he actually laughed and he said, Very good. The Holy Spirit is a what and it is a who. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is present from the beginning of time. He mentioned the story of creation and how God breathing life into the nostrils of man was the Holy Spirit. He was breathing the Holy Spirit into man. He said that creation is spoken through the power of the Holy Spirit. God said, and it was there. The Holy Spirit had its dwelling in the church for over 2,000 years now. The life of God within us, the sanctifying grace, is the Holy Spirit dwelling in our soul. And it's confirmed in us at confirmation, and it's there on the day we get married or we accept the priesthood. And the point of what he was trying to make is that the Holy Spirit is with us at every sacrament and has been with us since the beginning of time, since the beginning of creation. Now, on the contrary to Judaism, the Holy Spirit is not God. The Holy Spirit is an influence of God. It is a part of God. My professor went so far as to say that the belief that the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ are two of the three persons of God is contradictory of the fact that Jewish people believe that God is monotheistic because that's attributing three persons, and that is where it gets hairy for Judaism, and that is why they believe the Holy Spirit is just an influence of God. They think that the Holy Spirit is the divine force of God. My professor argued that the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and in the Hebrew Bible is no more than a quality of God. All right, so now that we have all of those questions that I asked each of my professors out of the way, I'm now moving on to the questions that I just asked my professor who identifies as an Orthodox Jew. The first question I asked him was, can you explain monotheism and how God shares his glory with no one? My professor mentioned that monotheism is at the root of all Judaism. God is one being. God is the ultimate source of all unity in Judaism. God reveals what he wishes to reveal, and it is ultimately up to him because he is the ultimate source of all beings. And no being is like him, but all beings are created from him. My professor spoke of kavod, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, but this is the idea of God's glory and how God does share his glory. He mentioned that if you do a good deed, if you get married... If you have children, this is you sharing in God's glory. He made it clear that you do not have God's glory, but you are a part of the radiance that is God. And he said glory is a radiance of godliness, and that God does share, and God wants to share his glory in Judaism. So I then asked him, Can you explain why the Hebrew Bible alone is divinely inspired and absolutely trustworthy? Do you find the New Testament teaching to be untrustworthy? My professor said that it all comes down to tradition and that the holy books of Judaism are just that. They are holy in and of themselves. So he doesn't think that it's right to say divinely inspired. He doesn't think that inspired is a strong enough word for what they are because they are holy in and of themselves and from a divine source. And as his answer to the second question about whether the New Testament was untrustworthy, my professor said that that gets hairy because, as I mentioned earlier, you have to take the good stuff of Jesus' teachings and throw out the bad stuff of Jesus' teachings. But how can a rabbi do that and explain why he was mostly right? Some of what he said was right, but the other stuff we're going to throw out. And I do want to take a second to clarify what I mean by good and bad stuff. Uh, My professor used those terms to describe when Jesus' teachings aligned with Jewish teachings and tradition and when Jesus' teachings did not align with Jewish teaching and tradition. Uh, The good stuff is when it did and the bad stuff is when it did not. Overall, the message that my professor was trying to get across about the New Testament is that he's not saying the entire book is wrong. He's not saying that the entire New Testament should be thrown out. But the problem is that Judaism cannot use it without crediting and discrediting certain teachings. And that can get very confusing. So um, he said a lot of rabbis just decide not to even introduce it and not to even use it. And when you think of it, it makes sense because every religion has its own holy books. Uh, Catholicism has the Catholic Bible, which is the Old Testament and the New Testament, and Judaism has the Tanakh. And the Tanakh is made up of three parts. Those three parts are the Torah, the Navim, and Kativim. And so as not to confuse anyone, I just want all of my listeners to know that the Tanakh and the Hebrew Bible are one and the same. And so last but not least, I finally asked my professor who was so kind as to help me out with this project, when you go to the Hebrew Bible, what do you find that proves that Jesus was a man and not God? So the answer my professor gave is quite winded, so stay with me on this, but he said that the Hebrew Bible does not talk about Jesus. He began to talk about rabbinical tradition and how Judaism does not follow the Hebrew Bible. It follows the rabbinical tradition that follows the Hebrew Bible. Because the Hebrew Bible can be deciphered in so many different ways, they choose to follow the rabbinical tradition that follows the Hebrew Bible. And so he starts speaking about the Talmudic period, and he was speaking about how this gave the form and the structure of contemporary Judaism. And the tradition is that God is a radical unity. He began speaking about the passage in the Bible. He couldn't name the passage at the time, but I found it and I will speak about it after I explain what he said. Um, and it was the one about how in the Talmud, Moses is saying that if there is a prophet among you and they claim to be prophesizing, and it doesn't happen, then you know they are not a prophet. And he said, now that is different than when they prophesy something bad and the prophet prophesizes." And it doesn't happen because people repent. He is saying that when someone prophesies, something good is going to happen. And then it doesn't happen. Then they are not a prophet. And he said that to Judaism, that is who Jesus is. If prophets prophesize good things and they don't happen, they are not prophets. And Jesus prophesized a lot of good things that did not happen. Although I could not find the exact passage about uh, Moses that my professor was speaking about, I did find a passage from Ezekiel, and he, in this passage, is condemning false prophets, and he is saying that um, these are prophets who speak what the people want to hear so that they can make a handsome living, not true prophets who suffer for speaking the truth. And although... Some rabbis do teach that Jesus was a prophet. My professor said that many Orthodox Jews teach that he was a false prophet. So, at this point, we're moving on now to the questions that I asked to my priest alone and his answers. I first asked my priest, How is God one divine Godhead and three divine persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? He laughed and he said, I wish that is a mystery, that is the mystery of the Holy Trinity, which is the central mystery of the Catholic faith. It is unexplainable in human terms, but we do profess it because that is how God professes it to us. We can look as Catholics to the Trinitarian doctrine and we can see that God exists as three persons, but one being. And we know that God has one single divine nature and it is confusing. I mean, I'm Catholic and I I don't fully understand the mystery, but humans aren't supposed to fully understand. Um we are supposed to know what God reveals to us and he does reveal to us that um he is three persons in one being and that each person is distinct yet completely united in the Trinity. So we moved on from there and I asked my priest, "How is the New Testament a source of authority for you as a Christian?" and How do you see it in relationship to the Old Testament slash Hebrew Bible? We then started to discuss how the New Testament is very much who we are as Christians. We believe that scripture is the living word of God. And he said that the New Testament builds upon the Old Testament. And it teaches us how to read the Old Testament. He mentioned that in the New Testament, we use a Christian typography, which is like a lens uh, while we're reading it a lens of the way that you read it and so we use this christian typography to understand the new testament and that christ takes the old testament and perfects it within the new testament and as christians we embrace all of the scriptures old and new my next question was when you go to the bible what do you find that tells you that jesus and the holy spirit are god His answer to me was confusing and interesting at the same time. He said that he, as a Christian, he believes in Christ's teaching authority. And that if you read the New Testament, you see that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are always trying to trip Jesus up. They're always asking loaded questions. And Jesus' answers are always, this is how it is. Like, you cannot confuse me. It just is how it is, and this is the answer. So naturally, to make sense of what he was saying, I went to the Bible, and I started reading passages, and I found a few that I really liked that um, exemplify that Jesus is God and claim that Jesus is God. In Matthew one twenty three, we see that there is the one quote that says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Another good example is in John 5:18, where we see this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And as for the Holy Spirit, he said that like he said previously, um the story of creation, with God breathing life into creation, into man, that is the Holy Spirit. Um, Another example he mentioned is Pentecost, Um, that, that flame of fire that appears above the head of each of the apostles, that is the Holy Spirit. And he said that, especially in the New Testament, you see the presence of the Holy Spirit even more so than in the Old Testament. In addition to what my priest said, I also went and found my own quote from the Bible that I thought was a really good example of um, the presence of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Um, and I found John fourteen twenty five, which is, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance of all things that I said to you. Jesus is telling his disciples in this moment that he will not physically be with them forever on earth. But he is saying that he will still be present in other ways in the Holy Spirit and things of that nature. And I think that that goes along nicely with what my priest mentioned about Pentecost. Because the Holy Spirit came down down upon the disciples and um, was seen as a flame above their heads. I also just think that quote really encompasses that Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit is God. So folks, I need to wrap this up. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening to my show today. I had so much fun um, sharing with all of you the things that I learned while interviewing an Orthodox Jew and a Roman Catholic I think so much value can be had from these interviews, and especially for myself, um, something that I learned from these interviews is that religion has such power. There are about 14 million Jews in the world and over a billion Christians in the world. So I think that it is so important that I was able to have, especially this conversation with my Jewish professor, because... um, Something that really shook me was that at the end of my interview with him, he said, I hope I haven't offended you in any way. I'm just trying to be honest about my beliefs and about my religion and the things that I do as an Orthodox Jew and the things that I do believe as an Orthodox Jew. And I think that there is something to be said about the ability to have a respectful conversation in this day and age about religion. And I hope you, my listeners, learn something. And I hope that you can see how similar yet different these two religions are. The world needs to be more understanding of other people's differences. And I hope that this podcast has led you to a deeper understanding of individuals who may have beliefs that differ from your own. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. And I hope that you have a beautiful Tuesday.